Day 24. Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. Lots of fear in the Reaper out there. Lots of people, man. Whether it's masking up and gloving up to go to the store or hunkering down in your place or incessantly scrubbing your hands, you know, I mean, people are motivated by the fear. And um, is it warranted? Is it not? Something we're going to get into, but uh, we have a very rare occasion today. Um, someone known as my wife called in sick today. Yeah, <laughs> that happens about once a year. Yeah, that's that's a rare that's a rare bird for sure. So, but uh, so super stoked. We're both kind of sitting here, and now first and foremost that we are empty nesters. Um, we're not even sure where our children are at this point. We believe they're in their new habitation, but, um, boy, it's nice. I mean, I, I walked around naked all day, uh, <laughs> just spouting random things and prophecies and the things that they don't allow me to do. So, uh, it's kind of nice, but, but then they came in for dinner and all that jazz. So, yeah, I think one likes it more than the other. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they got to experience cold tent camping last night and uh, with both our dogs and the cat. And uh, needless to say, neither got very much sleep. No, no. Abby <laughs> took, I think, three naps today. <laughs> yep, so. But they're going to continue on out there. Uh, we cooked breakfast on the wood stove out there this morning. And, uh, you know, it's just, just good life lessons for them as well. But, um, so... I, I feel like we need to bring this up straight away because um, I don't know if you've been on social media today um, or even seen the news, uh, but there's a lot of chatter about your eyes. Oh, really? Yeah, people are oh, really starting oh. to... I must have received a thousand emails from our listeners. I did wake up this morning to two texts from both my parents separately <laughs> asking about my eyes. So my first thought was, Oh, somebody talked about my eyes on the podcast last night because I haven't told very many people. Yes, I'm suffering from a, a condition that is very common, actually, called blepharitis. Blef? How do you spell blepharitis. that? Blepharitis. How do you spell it? B-L-E-P-H-A-R-I-T-I-S. Blepharitis, which is um, an inflammation of your eyelids which is super fun. And I have, there's two different types. There's an anterior and a posterior. Hmm. So the anterior is like the top, like where your eyelashes are, which is usually more like an acute because of an infection. And the posterior is like the inside of your lid and it's a gland malfunction. Huh. So the glands that produce the oils and your eye get blocked. And so it's all swollen and then it affects your tear production, and so your eyes are dry, and they're red, and they're swollen, and I've got a big lump on one of them. I look crazy, <laughs> but I could care less how I look. It's just so annoying how dry my eyes are. I feel like there's a glue in them. So I'm here um, on the Mayo Clinic's page, and one of the causes is eyelash mites or lice. Yeah, I don't have that. And I, 
No, you gotta you gotta Google posterior blepharitis. They're two totally different things. Almost. Okay, because yeah. I I feel like you might want to look into the fact that you might have mites in your eyes. Well, if I had them, I got them from you. That's for sure. <laughs> this is this is true. Like the like some with the coronavirus, I'm a carrier. It doesn't the mites don't necessarily affect me, but I spread them wildly to others. Yeah, it's um, it's part yeah. of my vermin problem. But uh, yeah. So it, yeah. apparently that it doesn't, once you have it, it's like a malfunction that doesn't go away, but I'm like in an acute phase and you're supposed to be doing all these warm compresses and this and that. And I haven't been doing that because I've been at work hmm. and you're not really supposed to touch your face, especially when you work in a hospital. So I stayed home to do that, but not much better. Huh. Well, I will say like this morning I asked, how you feeling? You're like, eh, I don't know, I'm fine. There's a dramatic difference between when you have some ailment and when I have some ailment because I devolve into a little bitch. Truth. <laughs> whining and crying and needing sympathy and love. And um, you're more of a soldier with it and just push forward, uh, which I wish I had a little more of that in me. Yeah, I, me I, too. I, <laughs> Just no, like, I just, I don't like something that I can't fix. Like I like yeah. to be, I can handle it. It's not the end of the world. It's just like, you know, I'm like, okay, if I can't tackle it, that's the frustrating part. Yeah. And because I tend to, you know, want to take the bull by the horns hmm. with those sorts of things. And with this, I may not be able to. So. No, no, you're going to be subject to the cycle of the disorder. As long as it wants to hang, it's going to hang. You know, right. unless you go the steroid route. Yeah. But uh, I loan you some of my performance enhancing drugs, but I don't have <laughs> many left. So anyway, uh, so what did you do today? I was gone for a little bit of the day. What did you do? You slept? I, and... um, I kind of made the house how I like it mm -hmm. if I was home. And uh, I'll change that tomorrow. Yep. Kind of cleaned up a little bit, lit, lit some candles, made it smell nice, did a couple little chores. I went on a run. Mm -hmm. um, and Where'd I did, you run? Just down the lake? Yep. I did my rattlesnake run. That's mm -hmm. my, my usual. Did you see the big uh, electronic sign? The no parking sign? I went right at, at the top of the hill. I didn't go down the hill. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, I, did, I just did my five miles. So as most people know, state parks have completely closed off all facilities yeah. to car traffic. And so we have just below our house an area where people congregate and park to get to the lake and it's all shut off. Um, and same with down at Granite Bay in the, in the, in the, um, in the Canyon at the confluence. So, uh, it's a trip. Yeah. yeah. I didn't it, normally when I do that run, it's on the weekend. So I see a lot more bikers. And stuff. I saw a few, no cars. I, I think yeah. I maybe ran into three cars. Um, but it was nice. I felt a little out of shape. Hmm. I think even though I've been exercising, I'm so much more sedentary, like at work. Normally yeah. I'm up and around and I'm doing still so much stuff on the computer. So I, I felt a little a little more out of shape for the first time today on my run. But that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. okay. I'll get it back. Actually, I went on a ride today. I ended up pounding out about 40 miles and felt really good. Um, to your point about like our lifestyle is changing a little bit. I wasn't sure how that would, how I would feel, but I uh, gave it the gas right away and felt really good. And then drove into Granite Bay, which is, as many know, one of the more popular spots on the lake. 
and it was a trip. Once you got inside the gates, there's nothing there. I mean, there were a few people on bikes and a couple hikers, but for the most part, the entire park was closed or was empty. And so I was able to whip around all those roads. You know how the roads wind into the very back of the park mm -hmm. where usually there's car traffic. And it was, it was really fun for that feeling of having like this huge park to yourself. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really neat and definitely noticed today, you know, as a, as a cyclist, I, I, I do some riding on the road and I am always the target of so much anger. And, and I'm a rule follower when it comes to, to road riding. I'm not the guy that blows to the stop sign or rides out in the middle of the road. Um, but yet I still get up. I mean, I get every single ride. I get somebody either flipping me off, yelling at me, trying to scare me off the road, people running me off the road, people throwing things at me. I mean, it's all. Which I, is so weird because when I did a lot of road biking, I don't, did not have that experience. Because you were with me, you know, and when you're by yourself, sometimes you get targeted. Um, yeah. Oh, I've seen I've seen it all on the road. Today, I had people waving at me constantly, and I there were a lot of people out walking. Just on roads, you never see people walking, and everybody was smiling. You can feel there's a vibe, and I know that people would say the vibe is tension, and uncertainty, and anxiety, but I think there's something else happening too. I I. I I think the ability to be still, even if, you know, you're struggling with your job and income, it, the idea of things slowing down, the frenetic pace kind of chilling out, I think it's allowing people to just be a little more calm and project a little bit Or maybe they're just vibe. missing human interaction, so they're excited to see people. That could be too. I don't know. That could be too, the, the result not, of isolation. I'm not stuck at home, so I don't have that mindset, but... I'm sure there's a lot of people who aren't getting out much. So when yeah. They see people and so when they do, they're appreciative of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So, and now uh, enjoying a little uh, glass of Glenfiddich. You've got a little glass of your... Uh... Yeah, I said it. I wasn't going to drink midweek. I did go Monday to Monday and Tuesday, which is the most I've gone since we've been in quarantine. <laughs> Last week, I, I went Monday. This week, Monday. Maybe next week, I'll make it to Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, the drinking has definitely been a daily occurrence for me. Yeah. Last night had three or four beers on a video call with a bunch of my friends. And it turned south real quick when one of my friends showed up on the call wrapped in saran wrap. Oh, and, and nothing else underneath it. So, um, you know, we're, we're losing our minds a little bit. So, yeah, I, I feel like everybody, it's like this weird vacation. I mean, I'm not on vacation, <laughs> but I'm, I'm. I feel like everybody else is, so I, I have to partake in some sort. Right? Yeah, it is a very... So you got the combination of people being more sedentary, right? Which is definitely going to drive people to drink when they have idle hands. It also is going to contribute to health issues, potentially. Yeah, I mean, if you look on social media or you talk to people, people are really enjoying baking. Right. And cooking. And, and some people, like, I personally feel... Like if I was able to shelter in place, I'd be more active in some ways mm -hmm. than I am now because I would have the time. But I think for a lot of people, it's an excuse to just eat and right. veg. Right. So and that concerns me. Greatly. Well, yeah. And so you have that, right? You have that sedentary, which is resulting in poor, maybe poor, more poor lifestyle choices. 
You then have the factor of fear, which is the fear and uncertainty of this virus driving people to remain sedentary and socially isolated. And then you brought up this morning that question. You kind of said, this fear seems disproportionately inaccurate or off base. It is. And like, what did, what did you mean by that? So it's, again, since I'm doing most of the grocery shopping and I'm out every day, I see it a little bit more than you do. And when you see someone at the grocery store wrapped in trash bags <laughs> and wearing swim goggles or snorkeling gear, <laughs> you know, you, you can, the, their fear is palpable and mm -hmm. it's a fear for themselves. And what, it, it doesn't make sense to me because if you look at the numbers, you're so much still, even though I'm not trying to, you know, diminish the severity of, of COVID, you're still more likely to die from so many other things, mm -hmm. but nobody ever worries about those other things. It and what we need to fear is our healthcare system breaking down. I feel like this is more of a selfless move to stay home and flatten the curve, but people are interpreting it as more of a self-centered fear, mm -hmm. a fear for their own death, mm -hmm. which doesn't make sense to me because yeah, you know, there are, some people will get it, are going to die. But if you get in your car and you pick up your phone, are you more likely to die? But nobody worries about that or the right. fact that they don't eat well and exercise. Well, so, okay. So, just, so, so, I don't, so it, I don't, I guess I'm more pragmatic. Let's unpack that. Hold on. Because there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot here. First off, like you, you, you uh, my question is why this fear? And to your point, you say it's very much about this self-centered notion of our own death. We, we don't, yes. we don't want to die. Right. Which is right. something that's kept humans alive for tens of thousands of years, but, right? But I, I know these people, and you, if you look at them and they're so afraid to die of this, then why don't they take care of themselves on okay. a daily basis? so hold on, though. But the the point here is your, your idea is that we shouldn't be having this much fear. I, so right. why do we have this much fear? And so I'm wondering if it's rooted in the fact that there's just a whole lot of misinformation and disinformation. Well, I think the media has a role because if we didn't have the fear, we wouldn't obey. So so there's the positive side, right? I mean, we Is, need the fear. If you didn't have the fear, then people wouldn't wouldn't stay at home. Right. So, so there has to, there has to be that fear, but I guess I see through it. That's not what this is about. So so you got the fear that motivates a, a positive response, like social distancing does work. California oh, absolutely. is absolutely a case in point of that, right? Like a boss. Yeah. Absolutely. But then you've got this fear that results in, you know, uh, unjustified anxiety, right. you know, misplaced anxiety, uh, poor lifestyle changes. I think a sense of doom, a sense of doom between when you look at how the media is highlighting cases of death versus cases of recovery. When you look at the mixed messages that you get within within a two minute span. Well, back up for a minute because the cases versus death, we don't really that's that's not accurate. Right. We're only testing. 
certain people. The numbers are completely skewed, right? right? But then you see this Dr. Fauci, you look at Trump, you look at Pence, you look at Sanjay Gupta, you look at all these talking heads, and you you look at um, Homeboy on uh, on Fox News, I can't remember the, the dipshit's name, and you get some really dramatic differences in information, which is sowing confusion in our population. It's as if there's a psychological warfare operation happening. Like part of the idea of warfare is not just to use guns. It's to fuck with the enemy's mind. And it's as if there's a psychological operation being implemented on the American public. I mean, the first thing you do is you divide and conquer through myths and disinformation if you really want to fuck with an enemy. That's happening to us right now. And so it's no, it's no wonder that people are confused, right? Yeah, and I guess I, I like to kind of, I, I do watch some of the news because it's basically I find it entertaining, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm such a numbers person. Well, but that's what I'm, it is, really infotainment. At, at the numbers and just the facts. So, okay. And, and if so, you look at it, like, don't get me wrong. There's parts of the country where I would be terrified, but we're doing pretty good. I'm, I've been saying that for about a week and a half now. Well, okay, so good. let's take a look at this. Let's let's unpack some of these numbers. So right now we have about you know they say 434,000 cases. We know that that's beyond a million people. For well sure. beyond well a million beyond. people that yep. have have it. Um, you have as of supposedly as of this moment, you have 14,788 deaths. Okay. Uh, from from the coronavirus, and we're we're supposedly kind of in the peak of it. We think in some areas, well, in New York, in New York, right, in New Jersey, and, but then you see states like Georgia starting to spike. You see Texas. Yeah, we're going to spike at different Connecticut, points. Maryland, Baltimore. There's a whole other component about the kind of disproportionate effect that this is now having on. Uh, minority communities in urban areas, yeah, right? Yeah, did you see that map in Sacramento? They posted mm. on, uh, I can't remember which side I saw. It showed by zip code in Sacramento specifically uh. had the number of cases um, and by hospital within those zip codes. And it's definitely has to do with socioeconomic and, and population <sighs> density for sure. So that's so also that's where the we're, inf- we're lucky. We're, we're incredibly fortunate to be yeah. located where we are. Yeah. But that population, that's very much a function of information. Well, the it also idea has to do with those that goes hand in hand with chronic health conditions. Totally, so right? Because lack yeah. of information about how to manage basic health. But the notion, Poverty and- if you take somebody that lives in South Sacramento, family of six in a, let's say, thousand square foot home. The concept of shelter in place is laughable. How do they even do that, right? So you got a 16-year-old, a 21-year-old that's still living at home, and maybe an 8- and a 4-year-old. Well, the older ones are going to split. They're not going to hang around the house. And likely one person has to somehow 
try to figure out a way to be an essential worker to try get and, food on the table. Right, right. So the notion of shelter in place is, yeah. is again, I think more of an affluent concept. Yeah, for people to be able to stay at home. Who can right. do that? Who can yeah, afford to do e- that? Exactly. So, so you've got 14,800 deaths, right? So... Just looking at some of the numbers, and so these these come from the CDC and from other comparable sources. In one year, thirty-eight thousand eight hundred people are killed in car accidents in the United States. One point three million globally. I think the number is probably higher than that. But so thirty. Where where are we at globally for? COVID. So COVID, the COVID deaths globally, 88,000, 88, right? Okay, so, so they say, but you know, it's hard like getting yeah, numbers. It's rough, it's rough, rough estimates. So you got in the U.S. 38,000, just shy of 39,000 deaths from a car accident, right? Right. So that's my, that's my point. So when do you, when every time you get in your car, do you think today it could be the day I die? Because mm-hmm. more, it's more likely. Right. And that's my point. Like when you put on your seatbelt and you get in the car, do you say to yourself, I'm going to be on point Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, you know, have my hands at 10 and 2 Mm -hmm. and and be totally present so that I don't die in the car today. But But going to the grocery store, people are so much more vigilant with that. And, and that's like the the part that I don't get. And I'm not saying so let's, that I'm I'm the best. I mean, I get criticized so let's, let's, for my let's, driving, but you you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, I I just well, let's look at let's it. look at some of these numbers still, right? Because the ultimate question is, why do we fear this so much? That's right. that's why? the kind of question. So let's look at heart disease. Oh, don't get me started. I mean, dear God. Okay, so you're talking. Um, I believe this, this, these numbers are 350,000 people a year die from heart disease and 840,000 die from cardiovascular related disorders. That means one in three deaths are related to cardiovascular issues in America each year. Yes. 840,000. Yes. That that is the bane of my existence. And these are not these are not. Uh, I mean, people can't change these numbers in any way. I mean, they're just. Yes, they can. <laughs> this is this is mostly mostly not all by any means, but mostly a preventable condition. So you have something that has killed. Hundred. I mean, millions and millions and millions. Let's just say Americans for right now. We'll just talk about America. Very much preventable. And yet we do very little about it. I mean, granted, there's all sorts of social, emotional, economic issues that go into play there. Yeah, but I mean, even we talk about, I now get on my soapbox about school lunches, but let's just Mm -hmm. start there. What we teach our kids, how to eat. You know, Wednesdays, there's going to be French toast sticks, you know, corn dogs, chili dogs, hamburgers, pizza. So we're teaching ketchup as vegetable. Our kids at an early age, you know, to crave these foods. They're good. Mm -hmm. And we're we're creating a society that is fat 
that, you know, and, and it's devastating. So the numbers say, like some of the projections say that we could see upwards of 200,000 deaths when this is all said and done from coronavirus within the United States. That still doesn't even come close doesn't even scratch to the 840,000 that we lose every single year. Yet we're ringing the alarm bell. We've tanked the economy. And I'm not saying, none of this, I'm not saying we shouldn't do the things we're doing. It's just, if we're going to be so alarmed by this, why aren't we alarmed by the other things? Exactly. Right? So, yeah. And what are we doing right now? What you said earlier? We're baking. Right. We're sitting on the couch. Yeah. We're drinking a lot of alcohol. We're having yeah. food brought to us. You know, I just saw Burger King. Yeah. Burger King, have, you see the Burger King commercial? Uh-uh. Burger King cares about you and your family. We now will bring our food to you. No minimum charge. Oh, dear God. Right? So yeah. think about, you know. Yeah, and I'm curious because um, we're not seeing routine patients. Patients aren't getting their routine health care. It's only urgent stuff. So like the patients you normally see aren't coming in. Yeah, we're not. We're almost not letting them. So, what, so what's the implications of that? Well, we're going to find out. And I'm <laughs> sure it's not going to be pretty. You know, oh, wow. diabetes and all of our patients, most of my patients have diabetes. So if you can imagine, you know, what havoc that's going to wreak on their wounds. Yeah. And I say wreak. Yeah, <laughs> I don't right. say wreak lightly. Yeah, pun intended. You know, so... Not to mention all the other chronic conditions mm. out there. Everything has a cascade effect. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, while we're we're doing good in some regard, it's it's gonna have it's gonna have a shitstorm. Yeah. So talk about a shitstorm. As a teacher, we deal with this the the threat of this on a regular basis. Another number that jumped out at me is in the U.S. every single year, forty seven thousand people take their own lives. Yeah. 47,000 year after year after year. And those numbers have continued to climb. I'll be curious how, because mental illness must, I mean, anxiety must be through the roof. I'm curious how this has affected mental health. But we talk about ringing the alarm bells for coronavirus. Right. Yet so much of the issues around suicide are directly, they are, it is a mental health issue and with the proper care we could we could put an enormous dent in that number if we simply allowed people to have insurance that covers mental health services if we built out the mental health services at schools which is always the one thing that kind of gets cut and put on the back burner right if we incorporated the concept of health and wellness if we incorporated mental health into physical health. Well, and that's what I'm hoping that comes out of all this. Like, because really what this is about is that our healthcare system is so fragile. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't designed for a pandemic. Right. You know, we're, we're already during cold and flu season at capacity, which I've said multiple times. Mm -hmm. You add a pandemic and the whole thing falls apart. So morbidity and mortality increases for every condition right. when you go to the hospital. So what happened? Maybe maybe we need to think about this differently at the end of all I this, would argue about where we're, we're putting our energy. Because in, in, yeah. the way that healthcare is built is for reimbursement mm -hmm. and big pharma and everybody to get money. But if we put the money into wellness, right. 
then maybe we could handle some of Well, what you're really talking about, I believe, is more of a nonprofit structure for healthcare services, for the healthcare industry. It's called promoting health. Right. But right now, what they're about is promoting shareholder returns. Yeah, because the system profits from illness. So my point is, I don't believe that, I believe what we're seeing is a manifestation of capitalism. Capitalism is all about gathering capital, cash, and then utilizing that capital in some way. The idea of saving for a rainy day, if you have money, spend it. What was the one of the first things that George Bush said right after 9-11? Like within a day, he said, I want you out there in our malls, in our stores, go shopping. Spend your money. And it's the same thing for the hospitals, right? They're spending for the, for the immediate. Like it's that going to Target, you go to Target and you kind of have impulse buys. Well, it's the same thing for the hospitals, right? They have these impulse initiatives, they have these impulse expansions. We're going to build this new hospital. We're going to add this new department. We're going to add this new thing. But well, are it they... depends on your model. Because if your model, if you profit when people are well, mm -hmm. then you'll do better. Which is... Absolutely. And I'm trying not to name the organization I work for. But that's why it does so well. Because it, it has two different models. It has the right. profit and the sector and the nonprofit right. sector. Right. Where the money comes from people who are healthy right. and don't end up in the hospital. Yeah. So hopefully we see the forest of the trees and begin to reinvest because we used to invest in mental health services. And then a lot of that was gutted in the eighties. Yeah. So then this number is what people have been bouncing around. And again, I'm not, we don't share this to promote doing nothing in the face of coronavirus, but it's just, you know, everything is relative. In the United States, every year, approximately 34,000 people die from the flu. Yep. And do we have a panic about that? When I get the flu or you get the flu, do you kind of have this notion of, shit, I'm going to die? No, nobody does. But yet it takes many lives. Many lives, yep. So why aren't we more worried about that? Why is our only intervention going and getting a flu shot? And some people don't, most, a lot of people don't do that. Well, you got the whole anti-vax thing, which is, well, we're going to bring that up in a little while. So then moving past the flu, gun deaths. But why? You know? No, I want to get back to that. Why? I, cause I don't get that either. I just have I, never got that. I don't know. I mean, you have upwards of 630,000 people globally that die from the flu annually. But nobody cared about washing their hands before. So this. You, you stopped biting your nails. Have you, have you shared that? I didn't. I've a lifelong habit of biting my nails yeah. and I've Which stopped. I've been trying to get you to stop for a mm -hmm. long time. Yep. So that was my intervention. Yeah. Um, there's, there are, you know, you ask why. Well, that goes to something I want to talk about in a few minutes around how this is feeding other lines of thinking. Uh, specifically, it relates to flu. Like, why don't we react to the flu, normal flu, and we're reacting to this Anyway, but let's... Well, it is weird. I mean, I mean, because again, we're not trying to dispute what we're trying to do here. I've seen images of people's lungs on X-ray from mm -hmm. the coronavirus. Oh, it's real, and it, it it it'll give you the chills. It's it's real. Oh yeah, like, yeah. If it gets you to that point, if you right. get it in your lungs, 
No. Should it's we be taking bad. this serious? Yeah, yes. But should we be taking car accidents serious? Heart disease, suicide, flu, gun deaths. Yeah. Here's the number for you. Put this one on. Or as they say, put this in your pipe and smoke it. Annually, 320,000 people a year around the world die from drownings. Mm -hmm. yeah. From drownings. What about gun deaths? Gun deaths is about 15,000 a year in the U.S., 250,000 uh, globally. Yeah. But we could simply teach somebody to swim, right? And huge cut it cut into the notion of drowning in a huge way. Homicides. In the United States, there are 19,000 homicides, approximately 19,000 homicides a year, 400,000 globally. Well, we've got more people in prison than any other country per capita, uh, a, a hugely powerful prison industry, but we still have a homicide rate that is currently higher than the number of people dying from the coronavirus. The homicide rate could be tied to issues of mental health, could be tied to issues of guns, could be tied to issues of uh, socioeconomics, but yet that number continues to... So, and most of these things are preventable. Like yeah. how many car accidents were related to drinking and driving, texting and driving, mm -hmm. negligence, right? heart disease, diet and exercise... Suicide, if we had a better access to mental health, flu, hygiene, and vaccines, we might we might improve there. I, I right. think that that number right. I wouldn't be surprised goes down in subsequent years. Hmm. But um, gun deaths, drowning. So check this one out. I mean, this is a cancer, which does scare a lot of people. You know, that is I would I would say that's a a similar haunting to the yeah, coronavirus. That's not. That's not well, it depends on what type of type, cancer. Right. But a lot of times that sneaks up on you, you know, despite your diligence and your own health. Right, right. So Depending you have in the type. United States 606,000 people a year approximately. That's so many. That die of cancer. Globally, you have over 10 million people that die of cancer every year. Um, you know, this. That's the biggest, right? This is the crisis. Yeah. Um, and yet... I know there is good bits of money invested in research, but have we really prioritized cancer? Have we really thrown everything we have at it? I don't know. Right don't now, know. we have all the global, the best minds in the world supposedly are focused on the coronavirus. What would happen if we took that much effort and targeted cancer? Yeah. I don't know. And then the last one that eats at me from my previous line of work and having some exposure to this, and you've seen it yourself throughout Central America, the number one killer of children around the world. What is it? It's, it's not what you'd think. It's the most basic of things. Diarrhea. That's the number one killer of kids? Around the world. Well, Two, that's probably because of dehydration. 2,000 kids per day, per day, die of diarrhea around the world. It's 800,000 a year, children mainly. Think about that one. Totally preventable. I, I, 
is that probably clean water? It's a it's an issue. Yeah. It's a function of clean water. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah, we don't like I sh I've shared that number with people in the past, and they're like, "What? What? No, 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 Di diarrhea? What?" Yeah. And yet, it is slaughtering the world, the world's children. But we do very little. You know, you see Matt Damon with his water.org commercials from time to time. But aside from that, it's kind of silent. So, yeah, it's interesting. So the question is, again, why are we so fearful of coronavirus yet generally aren't that fearful on a regular basis of all those other factors? Right. What do you think it is? Why? Because it becomes normal. You know, it's just regular mm -hmm. when something new and that you know you know it takes us off guard mm -hmm. we become vulnerable but i wonder i wonder if something like this makes people think about all these things more maybe thinks about maybe people will think about their mortality more after this i hmm. don't know so here's here's one thing that i want to i i should have started with is we're making reference to the numbers of coronavirus deaths as of April 8th, right? We're only six weeks into this thing and we have 14,000 deaths. The numbers we were talking about with all these other issues are over a year. So let's say six weeks. How many weeks are there in a year? I don't know uh, offhand. Uh, like 52, 52 weeks? I don't know. I can't, I've, I've already had... So multiple, to let's say math. 50, I think it's 52 um, or 56. 48. Oh, 48. Okay, so multiply 48 times 14,000. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, six divided by 48. So if you take the six-week figure of 14,000 deaths and then blow that up over a year, it comes out to about 112,000 deaths. That sounds about right. So if our death rate remains generally the same, um, we're going to see upwards of 100,000 deaths here in the country, which is what the projections have been saying. And that's significant. Right? It, it is, because then when you start talking about 100,000 people dying, you then have brought it kind of to the upper end of some of those numbers that we talked yeah, what, about. What would that compare to? Well, it, it'd go past past car accidents. Um, it's still, you know, well under 700,000 below cardiovascular. It's three times the flu. Um, it is far beyond uh, gun deaths, far beyond homicide, and about 500,000 lower uh, in terms of cancer deaths. So, I mean, it does begin to bring it into that realm of like a substantial number. Not that 14,000 is not a substantial number. That is. That's horrific. And why our leaders such as the Orange Man in the White House is not on a daily basis trying to console those that have lost people, I, I do not know. But that's a whole other issue. So yeah, no, I mean it, it's significant, and and it and it justifies, you know, some level of fear. I I guess my question is, why don't people fear other things? Right, right. 
So I have a question about numbers, and this is what I want you to ponder. Is I've been watching, I've been watching really three countries uh, in terms of their numbers. One is the United States, obviously, because this is home. The other two are Brazil and India. So those to me have been represent kind of the uh, the canaries in the coal mine so are, of the you, developing world. We're, we're looking at it. We're looking at a website here. Can you sort by deaths per one million? Can you sort it? Because that's a better way to look at it. There you go. Because that. Oh wow! I, I haven't thought about doing that. Because you can't. If you look at the number of cases. Yep. That's not accurate because that is it has to be relative to so, the population. So deaths per one million is San Marino, the tiny, tiny, tiny country in Europe, uh, takes the cake at a thousand deaths per million. And then you have Spain, Andorra, another tiny country, Italy, Belgium, Belgium France, Netherlands, UK, Switzerland, Luxembourg. So you can see the death white people. The death rate is substantially higher per million in Europe that, that so that's let's just so that's one thing right and then you got the United States down there uh, Denmark Ireland Iran that they got hammered for yeah Iran reason. got hit hard I, but I'm wondering Switzerland they're really Iran is there. a cigarette smoking country and I'm wondering if there's that correlation What's up with Switzerland why are they so affected I've noticed they've been at the top of that list I don't know. But if you're looking at this, okay, we're going to scroll down and down and down and down. Where is... In Canada, they've done quite well considering their population. Okay, Brazil. Here's Brazil at four deaths per million, okay? And then if you keep going, you got India. Where is India? Keep going down and down and down and down. Where the hell is India? You have point one deaths per million. So the population density in Brazil is substantial in uh, urban areas. Dense, you also have populated. you also have a very poor population. You have like America, you have the uh, oligarchs, if you will, and then you have the peasantry. Why aren't they getting hammered? So I, I have this, though. I mean, is their public health system as robust where their reporting is accurate? I don't know. So maybe maybe these numbers are completely of off. Reporting but and testing accuracy. India. Okay. The de most densely it. populated country in the world. I mean, the, there is no such thing as social distancing. It's, it's, it's an impossibility. Yet you have 5,900 cases. If something was going to blow up, it would blow up in India. So the question is, why is this not Well, we've, we've talked about this before, and two things come to mind for me. One, it's, it's a matter of infrastructure and testing capacity and reporting. There's that. Because in undeveloped countries, that... You know that system okay. is not. Well I'm going to stop structured. you. I'm going to stop Number you on that. Number two. Though. Let me just stop you on that first point. Okay. Because if this spread in India, like it's spreading here, there would be bodies stacked up like True. cordwood True. everywhere. The media would be all over it, right? That's not happening. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. Point number two. And then my my the second question that comes to mind is. Um. 
herd immunity to other coronaviruses. Ah, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, these other countries have been because corona. I mean, I'm sure most of people know that a coronavirus. There's other coronaviruses, and so maybe those populations have some immunity to other like coronaviruses. Uh. And because if you look at the top of the list, they're all European countries, white countries, developed countries. Are you implying that maybe the that we're too clean? Yes. So we shouldn't wash our hands? That's not what I'm saying. So are you saying that I'm saying that maybe our immune systems are weaker. Yeah. Because it's... of um, our more refined culture. Mm-hmm. So you know, perhaps... I, and this is why I give my mother credit for this because I very rarely get sick. Except Truth? for Well, except for exotic eye infections. Right. Well, it's not an infection. (laughs) But this is true, right? Your gut biome, your ability to fight off things is superior. There's no question about that, right? I'm a freaking white boy. Right. White people get sick. Shit kicks my ass. And they get the diarrhea. They get the diarrhea. (laughs) Um, Where my mom has taken me all over Central America since I was a toddler. I've you know, like you have traveled, but you always get sick. I always get sick everywhere we go. I and, always and it, and I just attribute it to my natural gut biome. So that, the idea that being of living closer to the earth, of being a yes. little dirtier, if you will, yes. of eating food that may not be USDA approved and is actually taking, an advantage. And maybe not taking antibiotics for all these little viral infection, viral illnesses that you have. Creating new susceptibilities. Well, killing, no, killing your natural biome. Biome, but then making you susceptible. Yeah. So what about, I mean, I think that there's, I really do think there's something there. Um, but w- w- somebody might say the, the solution's simple. It's the summer in Brazil right now and in India. So that they're going to get hit come fall. Maybe. Do you think there's truth to that? Maybe this is just Maybe. strictly environmental. I don't, know. I, I don't think we know that yet. I don't think there's any way to know that and, mm-hmm. until about a year from now. But I can't wait to see, you know, the statistics and the data that comes from that. Well, but that's what's so exciting is everything we're talking about. We're going to know in the like, yeah, in it's the future. Really, I can't wait. I can't reach wait to read all that oh research. Oh my god! The and, research and they've is talked be a lot about genetics, right? Also. Now, you know, are there genetic components to to you know being able to fight this better? I and that that's going to be fascinating. If certain, but I think the gut biome is big. I would agree. I would agree. I also think factors of obesity are big. If For you sure. look at you know European countries, United States, you know we're a pudgy a pudgy bunch, and you know they're going to create uh, open the door for all sorts of other ailments, which. Could be the concept of pre-existing conditions. Even when you don't know you have a pre-existing condition, you have the precursors to various ailments and maybe COVID attaches to that and exploits that that vulnerability. Yeah, there was some discussion about people who are on ACE inhibitors for mm-hmm. hypertension um, being more susceptible to, to COVID. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. And then there's the other factor 
And this goes to the last thing I want to talk about is, is this, is this more a matter of bio-warfare? Mm. Was this orchestrated? Was this designed? I don't believe that. I believe it was by Mother Nature. Well, yeah, she's a bitch, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She purges. Um, kind of, but I, I mean, in a weird with, with so much, it. whether it's the, the, the way in which we're reacting, uh, the, uh, the myths and disinformation that's out there, the disparity between how certain countries and certain regions are being affected by this is starting to breed some really intense conspiracy theories. And I think um, I just today I came across Vice News and the New York, uh, was it the New York Times or um, maybe it was the New York Magazine, came out with some articles about the, the, the fact that too many, too many of these theories can really be detrimental to our society is when people start to attach truth to conspiracy, it's as if we, we, start, we start to lose ourselves. And this notion that this is a, a form of bio-warfare, I think is a very dangerous notion. Yeah, because that kind of breaks down the concepts of humanity. That's, that, that's a dangerous it, thought process. It, it is. Is it impossible? No. Oh, no. Is it improbable? Yes. But then you got, like, I started looking into some of these conspiracy theories. I know you don't even know about these, probably. But you ever heard of Q QAnon? Mm -mm. Right? It's this, it started in about 2017. And it's a group that believes that there is a deep state movement that is working to control every aspect of our lives. And Donald Trump is the savior Donald Jesus Trump is the Christ. one that's going to fight that, right? We're fucked. So QAnon has this theory that the deep state is continually trying to sink Trump. And one, they conjured up coronavirus as a way to kill the economy so that Trump would be voted out of office. But two, they have a theory that there are thousands of child sex slaves hidden in tunnels underneath our country what? that are exploited by the rich and powerful of the deep state. And the coronavirus is a means by which they're, they're bringing these kids out of the caves and hiding the fact that we're treating them now. What? They, That's ridiculous. It, it is insane, but they believe that all the, that there are, uh, there are tent hospitals being set up in Central Park. And there's recent writings from these people that is really getting traction that those hospitals are designed to treat the child sex slaves... That came out of the tunnels underneath New York. And there are people that really believe this? Absolutely believe it. Who? Oh, QAnon. Look it up. Q-A-N-O-N. It wow. is a sizable movement, right? So you have these people. You then have the people that believe this is a form of global depopulation. That the deep state is actually orchestrated this as a thinning mechanism. Right? Now, if that's true, why wouldn't they use this to kill more people? Because why wouldn't they orchestrate it in a way? Because why didn't they cause more heart disease? I mean, the global depopulation just keep feeding us cheeseburgers from Burger King and that's going to do the trick, right? 
So it's it's really really because yeah, this flawed. is more subtle. Yeah, right. I don't know. Here's the one that uh, one of them that I like. A couple of these I really like. The anti-vaxxer movement believes that this is the final death blow to their movement because this will be the means by which all Americans have to be vaccinated. And so, oh Jesus! Well, <laughs> it because so there will be still holding steady. Oh, they're still holding they're steady. They're not going to be the first ones in line. Oh, they 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 believe that. Oh God damn it! This is designed to kill our kill our approach that vaccines are bad because now everybody's going to have to be vaccinated. Crazy. Wow. And then this is the one that strikes at my core a little bit that this is all orchestrated by Bill Gates. Oh my God. <laughs> Somebody whose work I've come. I have firsthand experience with, and it, it's maddening to me that somebody who's done so much good in the world could be labeled as so evil. Um, I don't know. It, right now, there's, there's a movement online with a hashtag of film your hospital. And James Woods, the actor, and several other famous people are, are really promoting this. The idea that the media is saying there's all this frenzy at hospitals, but there's not. And the idea is go take a picture of a hospital and it show, it'll show that there's not a lot going on around the hospitals. And so well, that's this true is, in our hospitals. Right. California is a little bit different deal, right? True. But what they're doing is promoting the fact that this is a media generated event right. not to be taken seriously by the masses. Right. Which. Well, like we said, unless it's on your front porch. People don't, a lot of people don't believe it. I, it. Out of sight, out of mind. Abby and I were talking about that last night, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what we're, we're seeing here. Obviously, we talked about the conspiracy of this being a form of bio-warfare. Um, and then here's the big one. Fuck you, AT&T. Fuck you, Verizon. Because your 5G is really what's causing the coronavirus. What? 5G is the new cellular system that's much higher speed, but I don't know a lot of the details. But the movement around 5G as a killer of people is enormous right now. Wow. And there's a belief system that connects coronavirus with the new 5G network. They believe that one, one the general belief is that 5G negatively affects the way in which the brain works and actually can result in alterations of genes. And cause a respiratory virus? I, I, <laughs> but I mean... I don't follow. Again, people that believe this. Absolutely believe okay. this. So in a society where truth is so variable, in a society where you believe that there are child sex slaves held underground... Like, I don't know what you do with that. It, it's. Well, there's always going to be conspiracy theories with anything. Right. So right. why not with this? Well, but this is, this is feeding the, uh, that void. And really what it comes down to in my mind is lack of education. Is if right. people are properly educated about the way in which the world has worked historically, they're less likely to reach for these far-fetched right. notions. Is, this has always happened, you know, like that. I can't remember who Joe Rogan interview the other day i liked he said we've been on a long nap yeah yeah asleep at the wheel yeah so here we are again oh, it's been a man. little bit I'll but tell you this what. was bound so, to happen but per, by and by far my favorite article today was about the research that's being done 
around breast milk as a cure for coronavirus. Breast milk cures all. And there is a Vice News has a piece that there is research being done that breast milk could hold clues to coronavirus protection. I, for one, am all about the impact that the boobies can have on society and will gladly start the GoFundMe page so that lactation stations can emerge all over the country and breast milk can be shared with all people and everything will be all right. So, I don't know. That's it. And I will end with one of my favorite dictators, a gentleman by the name of Viktor Lukashenko in Belarus. Look it up. Super cool. He believes there are three cures to coronavirus and refuses to shut down his country. Soccer, number one cure. Sport cures all things that ails us. Beautiful. Number two, vodka. Mm. Drink vodka and all will be well. Okay. And number, I would replace that with tequila. But And number three, saunas. As Joe yeah. Rogan asked about yeah, a while sauna. ago, get in a sauna and everything will it be... It definitely helps cardiovascular will, will be Will be fine. So I think the, today's prize for all the confusion out there goes to Breast Milk and Lukashenko for making our world one fucked up place. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you think about all that? I think part of it might be right, and I'm thinking it's probably vodka, the sauna. Yeah, that's what Joe Rogan asked about too. He asked a couple guys, and it's supposed to be really good for your heart. Yes, but as as a number of researchers have said, it ain't gonna do shit for coronavirus. No, that's true. You sweat when your fingers high. So, but uh, anyway, so one of the one of the cures that we've heard about in the past is the notion of the world just needs more cowbell. Heck yeah. (laughs) So if you're fearing the Reaper, just think about Will Ferrell smacking (laughs) the cowbell, doing his thing. (laughs) Because really... All we can do is laugh and try to make the most out of our days. So go outside tomorrow. Get some exercise. Don't eat so much shit. Drink maybe a little less. And find a way to add a little cowbell to your life. You know what? It's fine. Let's just do the thing. Okay, roll it. One, two, three, four. Later.